Okay. Well, good morning. And uh, we are going to pick up in Daniel chapter 2 where we left off last week. Daniel chapter 2, part 2. We, uh, we got through the, uh, the kingdoms, the four kingdoms, the, uh, the image and what they mean. We'll do a little review of that. But before we get started, I want to do a little reminder, or not a reminder, a, a little cautionary to, uh, to me and to all of us as we study uh, prophecy. You have to understand that uh, the prophet didn't always understand the prophecy themselves. They were given the prophecy, they were given the word, and uh, they communicated it, but they didn't totally understand what was going on. And some of this, we're looking back through the uh, eyes of history, and we can see that some of it's already been fulfilled, some of it has not. And it's always dangerous to go speculating into what's not been fulfilled. Uh, it's, it's important that we know these things that have not been ful- fulfilled, but uh, to understand them and to recognize them when they do come to, come to fulfillment. But uh, before we start, I'd like to say a word of prayer and we'll get going. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to, uh, to study your word and... Uh, to know more about you, and uh, this is not for us to be uh, fortune tellers or to know the future, but to, to see and understand you and how you have worked in the past through humans and uh, in spite of us, and uh, we know that uh, you have plans for us in the future, and help us to understand what we can know and uh, understand what we don't need to know yet, because it's not time. Uh, please uh, give me uh, clarity of thought and uh, help me to uh, convey the message you would have conveyed today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, in Daniel chapter 2, <clears throat> Daniel interprets a vision given to a pagan king. Uh, and God gave this vision to the king. The king didn't understand it. We don't even know if he could remember the dream. Some translations assume that uh, he says, the thing is gone from me, and then others interpret that. It could go either way. The word, the command has gone from me for you to interpret it. But uh, either way, uh, it takes God to interpret this dream for him. And Daniel gives him the interpretation, and he says the, the interpretation is true and sure. But when we go to chapter 7... Uh, at the end of chapter 7, Daniel is in chapter 7, Daniel is given a dream that I believe, a, a vision of his own, and he's seeing the same thing Nebuchadnezzar sees here. He's seeing all these kingdoms, and when we get to chapter 7, we'll line them up, and you'll see how they, they line up. Daniel's given this vision from God's point of view. Nebuchadnezzar gets it from a worldly point of view. Splendor, gold, silver, bronze, precious metals. When Daniel sees it, it's beasts. And at the end of the vision, Daniel says, This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. In other words, he, he, he had the vision. It greatly troubled me. Does that sound like Nebuchadnezzar when he had the dream too? He was very troubled by it because he couldn't understand it. Daniel couldn't completely understand this whole thing either. And then in chapter 8, 
Oops. Wrong way. Wrong button. I don't know if it's because my computer's way in the back or what. Maybe my battery's getting bad. There we go. In chapter 8, at the end of the vision, this time Daniel's given a vision of uh, a goat and a ram, and he identifies who they are. But in the vision of the evenings and mornings, which is told is true, therefore seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. This is the angel who's telling Daniel what the dream means. And Daniel, I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Now, again, from history, we look back at chapter 8, and we, we can understand what it was, because it's already been fulfilled, most of it. Not all of it, but most of it. And then again in chapter 12, uh, at the end of chapter 12, uh, Daniel says, although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, he's speaking to the angel. There's, there are two angels there, and they're talking to each other. And uh, Daniel asks the question, he says, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So some of these things we can understand. Let's, let's be careful that we don't speculate and become dogmatic about what we don't understand. It's okay to, to, to speculate a little bit, I guess, but let's just not uh, be dogmatic about it. Be careful with that. Uh, in Daniel chapter 2, 20 through 23, Daniel's, Daniel uh, begins his praise after he's received the vision. He says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness, and light dwells in him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Uh, <clears throat> wisdom is the, uh, the key word here. What's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Yeah. Uh, can you have knowledge without wisdom? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 You can, use, you can study and have all, these, all the knowledge, but if you don't use it. Yeah. A, a PhD without wisdom is, is just that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Book. Uh, head knowledge. Head knowledge, yeah. They know the facts. They can recite that to you, but putting it into practical use. And uh, so what is wisdom? It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God, but, but what is it? Where do we get it? It's, it's, it's a gift of God, but uh, how do we get Daniel had wisdom? Was he born with it? 
sorry. Okay. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Beginning of knowledge, but uh, yeah, the begin fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, and that I can't remember the rest of it, which leads to wisdom, I guess. But yeah, and then then uh, there's a verse also that says wisdom is peaceful, peace loving, gracious. It's almost like the Corinthians, uh, the love uh, chapter. Wisdom is uh, is using knowledge for good. Someone who uses knowledge for evil is not wise. They're cunning, they're crafty, but not wise. The right button this time, I see if it works. There we go. I'm sorry? Yeah, so uh, two verses, one, Proverbs 1. One seven. Uh, one seven says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction." Mm-hmm. Proverbs nine ten says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight." Okay. Mm-hmm. Good morning. So last week we looked at the we looked at the dream and the image and. Uh, we learned, or we know, that uh, da- Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, you, O king, are that head of gold. And he says, you're the king of kings. And, uh, and he actually, when you think about it, he was a king of kings. In those days, when you captured a kingdom, you either killed the king, or you took him and held him prisoner in your country. So he had a, he had a whole prison full of kings in his country, and he was the king of those kings. And uh, I believe it's Ezekiel, uh, God calls him a king of kings when he says, I'm going to send you against Tyre. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of kings, is going to come against you. And uh, so we, we know that that head of gold was, uh, was Babylonia. i got to point the right direction. Keep forgetting my computer's back there. Uh, the chest and arms are of silver. How do we know that that's Medo-Persia? Daniel doesn't tell us that. We just know from history. What kingdom followed Babylon? It was the Medo-Persian Empire. And we, we find that out in uh, chapter 5, Belshazzar, when, when Darius the Mede comes in and takes the city. The writing on the wall chapter. And then, uh, oops, I'm pushing the wrong button. I might blind somebody with that laser. Uh, the belly and thighs of bronze, Greece. We're never told in Scripture yet that that's, that is Greece. In chapter 8, Daniel will identify the, the kingdom that follows Medio Persia as Greece. How about Rome? How do we know the legs and iron are Rome? Everybody assumes that, the, that it's Rome. I assume it's Rome. It's, yeah, it's, 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 the king, it's the kingdom that followed Greece. So we know that from history. Do you think uh, if, if Nebuchadnezzar would ask Daniel, well, who are these empires? Could Daniel have told him? Probably not. Now, would Belshazzar be able to tell you who the who the uh, chest and arms were? 
probably they're the ones that sacked him, right? The, the Medo-Persians. Uh, Cyrus, maybe if you'd asked him who, who the next kingdom is, he might have been t- able to tell you that it was Greece. I believe he was still in power when Greece attacked. I don't remember. Who's that? Cyrus. He was out by the time yeah. Greece came in? Yeah. Okay. But, so, we only know Rome by, uh, by history. The feet of iron and clay. Now that's the one that, uh, that we're going to talk about today. Do we know who that is or what that is? We know from Daniel that it's uh, a weak em- weaker empire. It says no one world power. So in other words, there wasn't a Rome or a Greece or those others. Okay. What are, the, what are the first four have in common as far as Israel goes, as far as Israel is concerned? They were over Israel. They all, they all four of those ruled over Israel. Yeah. yeah. Now, when we get to the feet of the clay, who's rolling over Israel? Is there Israel's? I, I think that was a period of this week it was this, this king, and next week it was this king, and the week after. Do <laughs> you remember what happened in Jerusalem in about 70 AD? Destruction of the temple. Yeah. I'm sorry? Destruction of the temple. And what, ha- what happened to the Jewish people? They got sent into the spoil. They were dispersed. They lost their homeland. They lost their homeland. They were dispersed. They scattered, right? They were too much for pain to be behind to leave in one place. They were too much for pain to leave in one place. They had a rebellion against Rome and Rome pushed them. Yeah. So, so after 70 AD, they were pushed out. And I imagine some of them were able to stay around Jerusalem or near Jerusalem, but they scattered out through the, through the surrounding area. And, uh, and there was no one world power dominating them now. And uh, has there been a world power dominated Israel since? To my knowledge, I'd say no. Now, have they been persecuted? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, one of the... Israel ceased to exist. I'm sorry? Israel ceased to exist. As a nation. Yes, from 1780 to 1948. Now, isn't that a uh, phenomenon that even though they didn't have a land, they still remained a people? Have you ever seen or do you know of any other in history that's lost their, their land and still clung together as a people group? I guess you could say... Well, the, well, the, the only difference, I think the biggest difference there is, I, I think maybe to clarify your point, okay. have any people been taken out of their land and dispersed throughout the entire world Okay, that they have maintained their, their identity so much? I mean, and even the Native Americans have not done that. That's true. Uh, I mean, Jews, Jews have been recognized as a nation. Now, in, in was it 1948 when they went back in the land? And that was a, uh, 
That was a quite a landmark, too. But are they really back in the land autonomous? No. Not autonomous. No. They're, they've got <clears throat> um, all kinds of different nationalities there, which makes it trading with the world. So autonomous is kind of a loose term. I mean, yeah. autonomous is alone, you know, no. Okay, so, <laughs> I'm sorry? It's not a theocracy. It's not a theocracy. They don't control the temple. They only have access to the, to the western wall. The temple mount is still controlled by the Arabs. And so until they get that temple mount back, they can't rebuild Solomon's temple. Until they can rebuild Solomon's temple, he can't see the uh, desolation at the end. So that is the next thing. They already have all the instruments ready, and they're already working on cloning a bull to get their red heifer. But I mean, that's you know, that's the did you, the did, did you see that article speaking of the red heifer? Did you know they have what is it four, <coughs> five, five red heifers now in Israel? Just delivered this week. Just delivered this week. So you know what's going to come next? Is it going to get? They're going to take that temple mount back. Well, that's that's what's that's the question. What are they going to do with these four heifers? They only have one thing they can do with it. If you look at it from their perspective, they have four heifers. They've never had one for 1,900 years. Yeah. You need a red heifer to consecrate a temple. Do you know what we're talking about when we say the red heifer? Um, no. I, I've heard of it, but I don't know. <clears throat> it, it's the atonement uh, to, to, for sin. It has to be a, how is that, a red heifer? They have to use the ashes. The ashes. Of the red heifer to be able to purify. The temple yes. and the priests. Without blemish. Yes, uh, yeah. without blemish. And do, do you know where these red heifers came from? It's Texas. <laughs> <laughs> they, they shipped them over from Texas, yeah. So, so yeah, they, they have to take the heifer, burn it outside of the city, take the ashes in to purify the temple, which, which would really need to be purified now after all these years, and plus the fact that the Dome of the Rock is setting right on top of the Holy of Holies. And, uh, you know, every time I read that uh, scripture about the abomination that causes desolation, I think of that Dome of the Rock, because there is an abomination that is causing desolation of the temple right now. So, so I don't know what they're going to do with the red heifers, but it's, it's interesting to watch and see. And uh, that was Joel Rosenberg that wrote that article. Do you, do you know who he is? Yeah. So anyway, no one world power, the, the feet of iron and clay mixed together. What are we talking about here? Iron and clay, do they mix? It's an empire that's divided. Divided? It doesn't have unity. You have, you have a, there's an element which controls and rules over it, but it's not a unified empire like the ones that before it. Yeah. It wasn't an underlying uh, social structure which bind it together. Nothing to bind them together. Yeah, you can't bind iron and clay together. You just won't. Try to, try to make a knife blade out of a mixture of iron and clay. It won't work. Uh, so uh, the other thing, you look at these uh, world powers, and it went from Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold, one power, and then it gets divided. The Medes and the Persians were divided into two powers. And then Greece started out with one under Alexander, but 
upon his death, it went into four, split into four powers, which uh, then became Rome, which was, I think you said, Samuel, was the Republic. Yeah, seven heads around, seven hills around Rome. Seven hills, yeah. And, uh, but did these kingdoms, as they morphed, I guess you would, will, did they become, uh, they became less power, did you, the autonomy was, wasn't there for the king, uh, because now they had more divisions, more divisions, more divisions. But did they become more moral? No. Just the opposite was true. It was a downhill slide morally. Yeah. They became more brutal. Each nation became more brutal than the one uh, preceding it. Remember Rome splits two empires as well? Yeah, the northern and the southern. Yeah. yeah Constantinople split off the Eastern Roman Empire, split off from the Western Roman Empire. Yeah. And uh, which which one went down in 476? Was that the Western, Western Empire went down Eastern first? Empire was hanging on until uh, Catholic Church set up Muhammad and had the Turks invaded. Yeah, and it it's, it never really collapsed. It no, just it just trans- transmorphed into a different thing. Yeah, it just sort of disintegrated, disintegrated until it finally just kind of melted into the rest of the earth and the rest of the world. And uh, it, it's the Roman Empire. Does it exist today? Mm, yeah. The the uh, the philosophies of Babylon still exist today. Remember, I mentioned the the Chaldeans. Uh, there, they were. A, there was a, there was two different ways of understanding Chaldean. One was the people group, and the other one, Chaldeans, were astrologers. And uh, so the, the Babylonian astrology is still alive today. Uh, many people still hold to their beliefs. It's called Mary. It's called Mary. Called the Virgin Mary is an incarnation of the Babylonian gods. It's also known as Isis, Horus, and Seth, IHS, which is printed on the Catholic altar and the Anglican altar. If you chase, trace it from Babylon, you come in all the way down through Medo-Persia, through Greece, into Egypt, and back out, and you end up with Isis, Horus, Horus, and Seth in Egypt. It's the same God. You also know it as the uh, lady on the Star Wars cup. So what you're saying is not not Mary of the Bible, but the, the concept of the, con- the Virgin. Concept of the mother, okay. The concept of Mary, yeah. Is a Babylonian goddess, mm-hmm. and it's had incarnations in uh, in Rome. It, she was known as Venus. Z- Venus. Venus. Yeah. Goddess of fertility in Egypt. She was known as Isis. Venus was Roman. I thought she was Greek. Uh, she she was. The, the uh, actually it was wasn't it Ishtar? Ish, Ish, uh, yeah, Ishtar was Egyptian. Ish, Ishtar, but there, there there was a connection that has been there. So it's just kind of morphed into different. Yeah, it keeps morphing into yeah. different because there's nothing new under the sun. But true. the worship of Mary and the worship of her baby um, has been there since the days of Nimrod, uh, and it's just carried on through world religions. Okay. Oh, so I got to push the right button. There. The stone. Uh, I was just talking to the pastor this morning. Uh, it's interesting that uh, when Daniel describes the vision or tells Nebuchadnezzar, "This is what you saw," right? Uh, you saw a stone 
not hewn by human hands. A stone hewn out of the mountain, not by human hands. So what's the significance of the not by human hands here? It's God's kingdom. I'm sorry? It's God's kingdom. Yeah, it's God's kingdom. It's not a human kingdom like all the others previous to it. Right. It's not an idol uh, like like all of the, uh, the Babylonian, the Egyptians, you name it, their gods were made by human hands. And even, even into the New Testament, they're still making idols with human hands. This is not an idol or a uh, deity made by human hands. It's hewn out of a mountain, not by human hands, by God, right? And uh, then when Daniel uh, says it strike, where does it strike the, uh, the idol? I'm sorry, in the feet, you said? Yes. If you, <laughs> if you go on the Internet and search this, and you'll find many of these pictures, the rock is hitting in the legs. It's hitting Rome. We know the legs are Rome of iron, crushes everything beneath it. It doesn't... Jesus didn't come to destroy Rome. He came to what? I'm sorry? To destroy sin. To To destroy sin, yeah, to die... To, to live and die and rose again for sin. Uh, did, he, did, did he ever speak out against the government that he was under? He, uh, he criticized the Jewish leaders. Uh, in fact, the only thing I can ever find about him ta- getting political at all was when he was asked, uh, is it right for us to pay taxes to, to Caesar? What did he say? Render under Caesar's what is Caesar's. He, he, he stayed out of politics. He said that's... Smart man. <laughs> yeah, smart man. So, so he didn't come to destroy Rome. He came to destroy sin. So what is this strike in the feet? It's not Rome, so he's striking somewhere down the road, Right? Yeah, and that's where I believe when Daniel in in chapter twelve, when Daniel says, uh, "What?" He's basically saying, "What does all this mean?" He's eighty some years old, and he's been having visions since he was a teenager, or interpreting visions at least since he was a teenager, and all of this stuff is in his mind. You know, the the statue, the uh, the. The fiery furnace and and, and uh, his four his three friends, and then he uh, interprets the writing on the wall, and then he gets these troubling dreams in seven and eight, and then he gets another long uh, vision in uh, ten, eleven, and twelve, and he says, "What's it all mean?" And he says, "Don't worry about it, Daniel. Just go your own way, and uh, it'll all work out in the end. This is for the end." Also, Hawkins back to Genesis. The rock hits the feet. In Genesis, was it Genesis 3? Uh, the curse was is that the serpent would bite the heel of the man. And that was the curse upon man, sin and death. Mm-hmm. And Christ is attacking the sin and death, which has inflicted man since then. That's why it's attacking the feet and it's not attacking the legs or the arm. Okay. Because it's, it's, it's always, scripture always goes full circle. 
Yeah, it says he will crush, he, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. So. But then what's, what's the prophecy about Christ? Christ will crush the head of the serpent. Of the serpent, yeah. yeah. So Paul, I'm going to have to do something about this. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, that all these governments are stacked on top of each other until then. I don't quite know what to make of that one. And then in uh, chapter 7, when he says they, he destroys the kingdoms, but these other three kings are allowed to... He took their kingdom away, but they're allowed to stay alive for a time. So, the... Uh, and I believe what that means is that uh, these philosophies are still alive to this day. The, uh, the philosophies and the false religions of, of uh, Babylon, Persia, Greek, Rome, they're all their philosophies still live today. In fact, uh, many of the philosophers come from those times. Uh, Paul refers to this as the fullness of the Gentiles. Would somebody read Romans 11:25 through 27? Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So until this will say that until the fullness of the Gentiles. Has come in. So, what are we talking about? The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. We're living in the period of the time of the Gentiles. I believe the time of the Gentiles is from Nebuchadnezzar taking Jerusalem through the present day and until the return of our Lord. That that would be the time of the Gentiles. I'm sorry. The grafting grafting in until the fullness of the. Gentiles is complete. Okay. You're in Revelation now, uh, chapter six or seven, where the uh, where where John sees a vision of the multitude. Is that seven? Yes. Chapter seven. He sees a multitude that you can't number. And he asks the angel, who are these? And what's the angel say? Some from everywhere. Yeah. These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, and there's countless numbers of them. I believe this is what he's talking about. This is the fullness. They've, they've all now come in. Everyone who's coming is coming. It's like Noah when he closed the door to the ark. It's, it's over now. And so what Paul is saying, this is going to continue until God decides 
that the fullness of the Gentiles, that, that's us and those who will believe and uh, will, will accept the, the, uh, the teaching. Okay. Wow, this worked so good last time. <laughs> Went backwards again. Okay. Uh, the rock in the scripture often represents Jesus. Which I'm going to look up Psalm 118.22. And then uh, Isaiah 8 and 28. And then someone else, 1 Peter 2, 6 through 8. Anybody have uh, Psalm 118.22? Go ahead. This is the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Okay. So the stone here is the stone the builders rejected. Speaking of Christ. And who are the builders? The would-be builders? Israel. Israel. They're trying to build a religion and they rejected the cornerstone. Uh, Isaiah 8.14 It will be a sanctuary both for the house of Israel and will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of, the, of Jerusalem he will be a trap and a snare. Trap and a snare. And then 28.16 First Peter. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom. They were also appointed. Okay. So what's that tell us about this stone? Does it do you see any connection with that in Daniel now? Very much so. Very much so. It's Jesus Christ. Yeah. So here the stone is coming and it's crushing the feet. But for us, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? We can stumble on it. We can accept it and use it for our cornerstone, which is our cornerstone. It's our foundation. Uh, probably sang the song in Sunday school, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came down. But, yeah. So this is the stone, the rock to build on. The mountain often refers to a kingdom, Micah 1, 4 through 2. Shall be lifted up 
okay. So the rock took down the, the human kingdoms and became a mountain, filled the whole, which filled the whole earth. Again, you know, some people try to make this, this rock Jesus' first appearance, but I'm having a hard time with that because none of that happened yet. So it has to be at his second appearance when the rock, and at the risk of getting into premillennial, postmillennial, let's not go there. Oh, wrong. It works great when I push the wrong button. One more time. Maybe I need to raise that computer up a little bit. There we go. Second Samuel seven sixteen. his eyes out. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar uh, took him outside the city, had him, had him watch as he killed all his children, and then he put his eyes out and, uh, and let him live. Yeah. So this, this is the everlasting kingdom, so we know that there's no one on this throne of David right now. Well, there is someone on the throne of David right now, and that would be Jesus Christ. And, uh, but he will return to take that throne physically and uh, on, on earth. That's what we, we believe in the, uh, the second coming. Walk over here and see if it works. Yeah, it does. Uh, Christ will return and conquer all the world kingdoms and bring them to an end. Revelation 19, 11 through 21. Pastor hasn't gotten there yet, but uh, I'm excited when he gets there. Got that one, and you want to read? Go for it. Uh, 11 through 21. Then I saw it has opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like the flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And his name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were followed, following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, and with, with which to strike down nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come, gather for the great supper of God. And he eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the sign by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. Those two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was, getting on, who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were forced with their flesh. Okay. So this would be greater detail than Daniel's account here. The, uh, the rock hits the, the statue on the feet. It comes down. It crushes everything. Uh, the, uh, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron becomes like chaff on the, on the harvest floor and is blown away. Uh, and here, here John is given the vision and he sees it and he's given, he's given us much more detail. Uh, in fact, he's identifying. In, in uh, Daniel, it's a stone. Here, it's the rider on the white horse, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Uh, this, this is the battle to end all battles. Remember, uh, World War One was the war to end all wars, and then I don't remember World War One. I. I don't know if anybody here does. But. <laughs> World War II, I don't even remember that one. But, uh, but that, again, was the war to end all wars. Well, we know that's not true. This is the war to end all wars. Completely. And uh, when, whenever you hear the word Armageddon, what do we think of? The end battle. The end a, a big epic battle, right? The end time. Uh, has anybody here seen Lord of the Rings? Do you remember those epic battles in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. This is not going to be anything like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. How, do, how does he defeat the How does he defeat the enemies here? I'm sorry. The sword that comes out. The sword. Yeah, the sword that comes out of his mouth. I believe it's with a word. One word. Yeah, here we got this huge army. You can picture that one, uh, Lord of the Rings style army coming out. But the battle is, you're done. They, they lay down dead, and, and that's it. I don't know what his what his words what the word he's going to say or what, but it's not going to. There's not going to be swords clashing and uh, and armors clanking and anything of that. It's just going to be. It's over. I think that's why he was called the Word of God. On the horse, we, we know it was Jesus Christ, but it said that he is clothed, clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and and the name by which he is called is the word. The of word God. of God. Yes, you're right. It's going to be the word of God that destroys. That the ends world. ends everything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And oops, I keep pointing the wrong way.
was going to get into this, but I think we're going to leave it alone. The, uh, um, how many positions are there on the millennium? Millennium. Say what? One right one and a lot of wrong ones. Yeah. There's three in the world. There, there's at least three that I can yeah. think of right off the top of my head. I see pastors counting. Do you have enough fingers? Four. Four. What are they? Uh, a millennial, premillennial, postmillennial, panmillennial. Okay. <laughs> Tell me what panmillennial is. It'll all pan out in the end. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Of all the positions, I like that one best. Well, he had, he had my brain going because I, I said, all my life is three. I go, oh, where's that one? Yeah. I was going to ask you to look it up. Uh, and, uh, in, exactly. When, <laughs> when I was a new Christian, I asked the pastor, because I, I really wanted to know about the, uh, the tribulation, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. And, I yeah. says, and he says, well, personally, I'm pan-trib. What? He says, it'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> I'm not going to get a straight answer out of this guy. So, so, yeah, so anyway. It doesn't matter to us. We won't yeah. I, I think of all of them, I would lean towards pre, or not, yeah, pre-millennial. That means that Christ will return prior to the millennium. There will be an actual millennium, an actual thousand-year reign on earth. And uh, if we were pan-millennial... Uh, that would be an easy, easy way to go, but premillennial, this would be what would happen prior to that thousand-year kingdom. And how is he going to rule? With an iron rod. With an iron rod. Yeah, that's, he's going to be, uh, is he going to be a Nebuchadnezzar type? That's how Nebuchadnezzar ruled, with an iron rod. I, I, go ahead. <laughs> okay, an iron fist, iron rod. But it, 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 it'll be a monarchy. There will be one king. It'll be Jesus. My way or the highway. And, but it'll be a good thing, not a, not a bad thing. When, when humans take that approach, we don't have the wisdom uh, and what knowledge we do have is usually, well, it's always. What does the scripture say about our heart? Deceitful. Who can know it? Uh, you know, the, the best, the very best of us uh, cannot trust our own hearts. But Jesus, when he rules with an iron, and you, you read that, he's going to rule with an iron scepter. That sounds pretty harsh, but it depends on which side of the fence you're sitting on. If, if you're on our side of the fence, Believers in Jesus Christ, saved by His blood, uh, we can we can accept that as this is a great thing. Uh, but if you're not on on His side, if you're against Him, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a real tough situation. Go ahead, Pastor. I, I think what we'll, what we'll see and what we find when we look at the end of Isaiah, uh, roughly chapter sixty-four to sixty-six, end of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of them. Uh, prophesy of this period of time and I believe what we will see is that those who are true believers as you said his commandments will not be burdensome to us no. um, whereas for the unbeliever they will reject they will still uh, despite living in a utopian type world a paradise uh, 
they will find that it's actually the heart. I mean, you can live in paradise, going back to what you said at, at the beginning in Genesis. They were Everything in paradise. Full circle. They were in paradise, and they still rebel. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ will be here, and there will still be people who will rebel. Um, they may rebel in their heart. They may try to do it openly, but he's going to crush them. Yeah. The other thing is, is I, the iron rod, to me it sounds like the, the stuff that the high priest carried. And so when I, when I hear iron rod, I don't necessarily think dictator, I think justice. Justice? You have the king of kings and lord of lords sitting on the throne, and he's clothed in the word of God, and that is the law of God. He's literally, he's literally arraigned in the truth. And so if he's arranged in the truth, he's not carrying a rod to destroy, but he's carrying a staff to build. Okay. And so where I look at it is, is literally, he's, if the equivalent is saying he's carrying a, a, a lady, what do they call it, lady justice, this blindfold and carrying scales. Okay. He's literally carrying around a rod that we use to measure a temple, measure a building. So, you know, all the ways he measures the truth, there's no injustice in society. Christ is because remember, he's the high priest. He's going to literally fulfill the Melchizedek role, which the priests of Aaron can never do. And so not only is he a warrior, but he's also a priesthood that will follow that. And so I look at that and go, look, this, this is the type of the high priest. He is our high priest. He is our Melchizedek. Unlike what the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts, comments? Okay, yeah, uh, it will it, be a privileged, it will be a scary generation that sees all this happen, but it will be a privileged generation as well for those who believe. Uh, for those who don't believe, it will be a, a terrifying experience. Uh, I have to believe that we're going to see it in our generation. There's too much stuff going on right now that you can't put by coincidence. Yeah, I... I I lean that direction too, but uh, who knows how long it'll be? But right. We have to live like that mm-hmm. is going to be the case. We have to live like we are the last generation and go forth into the world and, and you know, call the cause of the world to turn to repentance. I mean, that is the job of the church. A, a good friend of mine who's uh, really into biblical prophecy and end times theology and stuff. Uh, cautioned me, and he said, "Just remember," he said, "when Hitler came to power." People thought that was the end of the world. They they just knew. He said his mother-in-law knew, and they they pretty much just gave up everything because they knew that this was the Antichrist and this is the end. Well, it wasn't the case. But the Bible talks about in the future of, of rumors of war, this mm-hmm. and this, and how many times down through the centuries, Roman Empire... They're going to take over the world. It's going to be over, you know, stuff like that. So, how long the earth will go on? Only the Father knows. I know. Only, and I don't think we are to dive into it so deep that we forget to help the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm with both of you, Sam. <laughs> I, I I see the same things you see, and I go, it can't go on much longer. At the, at the rate that this is going. It just can't keep going. The difference is, and this is how I look at it, is in the past, it, you could say that the rise of Hitler or whatever was the end times. The problem is, is technologically, and the way I look at it is if you start looking to transhumanism and what they're talking about right there, you start looking at what's going on 
the executive order that Biden passed 10 days ago to put in $2 billion towards funding transhumanism in the end of the Homo sapien. And when you start looking at the people, the sort of, and so the thing is, when you start talking about the fifth, the fifth empire, I look at this sort of here. It's the rise of what you would call the deep state versus the rest. And the eye is the deep state. It's, it's ruling over, but not in command of, the rest of society. And what the, the elites are currently pushing forward to with transhumanism, I'm going to upload my brain into a computer so that I never die. I can live forever. I want eternal life with stem cell research and everything else. There literally becomes a point in time whereby it has to come to a head, and right now, with it wasn't possible 100 years ago, 200 years ago, we were nowhere near that ability to influence these things at the level where we are now. And so that's kind of what I say, it's like, yes, we need to be aware of what's going on, be as wise virgins like we're told in the, in the Gospels, to, to describe the church in the times as being wise. The virgins had extra oil for the lamp, well, how do they have extra oil unless they knew it was that night? And so, I mean, the way I read that is the church will be aware of what's going on, but won't be living like a pagan saying, oh, we're all doomed, we're, we're done for. Yeah. Yeah, morally, we've never been this low before, but like I said, it's, it's, it's relative to your time frame. The people, like I said, the time of Hitler, that must have looked awful, awful bad at that time. And uh, we don't know exactly what state. We know the great apostasy. We, we hear about that. And uh, that's that's coming. And uh, we didn't have a global religion with Hitler like we have now. We didn't what? Have a global religion with Hitler like we have now. Wokeism. No. I no. mean, now now with wokeism, we we now, we now have this global religion, which is secularism and humanism, which is crept into society at level, which wasn't possible that long ago, at least on mass. I mean, now you have this whole entire notion that we're gonna we're gonna sacrifice ourselves for global warming and kill ourselves because mm-hmm. we need to save the planet. I mean, this yeah. is. I just, I just want to, I just want to be, be cautious. Another, my roommate in college, he, uh, he decided. I don't know what got him, what, what got him going, but he, he felt the end was coming. He uh, sold everything, quit his job, and just sat down and waited for Christ to return. And then, after a few years, he decided he better get back to life again. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's not. It's not. But so, I'm saying, I'm saying, we just have to be, we have to be cautious that we don't jump, jump to things that aren't there yet. We don't see it. We we don't have that kind of. Uh, In the end, they'll be buying and selling and giving the hand of marriage. Meaning, society will be continuing even up until the last day. Okay. Uh, One more, and then. We'll... One mistake, and mankind will be starting over anyway. <laughs> One mistake. Mm-hmm. A nuclear war. Oh. I mean, we would. I mean, we would destroy ourselves and think we had a nuclear war. Everything would break down. Everything would be done. Yeah. And so we would start over. Could God start the earth over that way? Well, I, I don't. I don't see that. That. that I, I know. Yeah. It's just look at what could happen if China, Russia, and us got in a nuclear war. There are other countries that would still exist. Other people groups. Right, that's what I'm saying, but the world would be divided again. I just don't don't have trust in God. If you think nuclear war, only God knows. Yeah. What? Only God knows. Yeah, I want the first one right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had together, and thank you for this uh, discussion. And uh, pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom and understanding. And uh, 
Help us above all to just put our trust in you, our faith in you, our hope in you, and uh, we, we don't need to worry or fret because we know that you're in control and we know that you've sealed our salvation and that uh, whatever happens, Lord, we're with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.